2: And welcome to the SmackDown review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of SmackDown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review SmackDown but also Manara, NXT, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. With a really good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Cedric to review SmackDown, uh, complete with the unification of the tag team titles. What did you make of this week's show?
3: We outlined on the preview various scenarios with which WWE would not give us a result. They did. They give us a pro wrestling in North American television, a proper result that leads to something worthwhile. And I thought that it was measured in terms of the tone and more importantly, the duration perfectly. So I thought that was a hit of a main event segment. Everything else I was either eh, ambivalent towards. I thought this is quite good, but uh, a not ideal echo of something that I know I've seen much better before.
2: Yeah, shock horror. Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura are quite good in a ring together. Pass it
3: on. Pass it on, but still not as good as they were in 2016. And it's fine um, because at least Sami Zayn has realized that, look, I'm not the same performer I once was. More to the point, the performer I once was, even if I was still athletically there and physically there, is not what WWE wants anyway. So, yeah, they did a thing, which we'll get to at the end, where I thought, that's clever, that's using the space between moves very well when you can't actually do the moves with the same lung-bursting, like, disgusting physicality that you used to be able to do. So, there was some good on this show, but there was also some very tedious, why am I watching this? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by
2: this show, uh, apart from something that was absolutely atrocious that we will get to in due course. Uh, But let's start at the beginning of this show. Do you want to play a little game to start off with?
3: Uh, I'd, I'd play games all day if I could get away with it. How long... Was it
2: when I pressed play on this show till someone spoke that wasn't a video package or someone welcome that's make down. Well, wait, wait, wait,
3: wait. let's uh I wanna really tackle I wanna get this correct to the okay. sec to the minute and the second, right? So let's just go through the gears here. You're going back in time. Uh-huh. 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 To my experience watching this show. Are you ready for a good time? Nah, 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 nah. Last week on SmackDown, and I'm rolling for the three weeks before that, <laughs> this happens, and this is a video package. Michael Cole, welcome to SmackDown, and like, shh, shh. I hate his voice so much. We're the ones, we the ones. Eight minutes and thirty-two seconds. Oh, close.
2: Seven minutes dead before. Roman Reigns said, I can't remember where they were, wherever we are, acknowledge me. Seven minutes. So already excellent start. Yeah, yeah I love me. it when they do this. Um, if I was watching live, not so much, but watching it on Catch Up. Skip, skip, skip. Skip, skip, skip. Um, so yeah, he uh, he talks about not only should the fans acknowledge him, they should acknowledge the Usos tonight. And he gets uh, the wise man, Paul Heyman, to explain why. He says it's the biggest night in tag team wrestling history. Uh, he talks about uh, Roman smashing and stacking the likes of Bruno Sammartino, Hulk Hogan, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, The Rock, etc. Uh, he says that Reigns is the greatest of all time. And then he said the Usos are becoming the greatest tag team of all time. I mentioned their connection, of course, to Arthur and Zika. Uh, the Wild Samoans, the greatest tag team. But um, if the Usos want to prove themselves as they that they are the greatest tag team, they have to unify the titles um, to become better than the Wild Samoans. And they're gonna—they have to win the titles tonight as well. Otherwise, they're not coming home to the island of relevancy. He promised that the Usos would win the tag titles—not a prediction, Sidwick, but a spoiler. And then Reigns addresses his cousins, demanding that they win the titles tonight. And he says, "I've got high expectations of you, but that's only because I love you." And then there's the hug. And on the one side, you see a—you know—motivated but happy Usos. And then a sinister grin from Roman Reigns. I thought this was a good good way to set up the main event of the
3: evening. Can I shock you? Go on. I thought this was excellent. Really? You know I'm not the biggest fan of the opening segment. Mm -hmm. You know I'm not the... I'm even less of a fan of the opening segment when it actually is even more pointless than usual. (laughs) Yes. We all know that the opening segment on WWE television functions to set up the main event in some way, shape, or form. When the events... When the main event... Is already booked, and theoretically, it's been built the previous week. Otherwise, why would there be an incentive to watch this week? I get annoyed by the fact that they do promos too. It's I I know, Mm. I know what the main event is. I watched you build and promote it last week. Seven days isn't a long time to forget (laughs) things, even though you think I'm a goldfish idiot. Usually, right? I hate it. I just think it's pointless. The worst. Example in recent memory was before the cage match when MVP just got a promo. It's like, you're just filling time because you're creatively bankrupt. On the other hand, this genuinely was very good because the way the verbiage played out, it made you feel like Roman Reigns, and this has been a consistent um, character trait throughout this entire association with the bloodline, is that he demands the best from them Mm -hmm. because he's aligned with them, he's a representative, he's the head of the table, he's responsible for the success of this company, his um, standards are absolutely like stratospheric in terms of how high they are. The blocking of the segment to the hug and the verbiage made you think that, or made the audience think that at least, Roman Reigns was not going to interfere, it's up to you now, Mm -hmm. do not let me down. Do not let me down is essentially the thing has been saying for two years in as many words, which informed the actual conclusion to the main event. I thought it was really, really well done this. And my esteemed colleague, Michael Hanflet, who's um, enjoying a day after day, does generally, 99 times out of 100, make a very salient point. This bloodline stuff on SmackDown, particularly this year, is an absolute steal in terms of how they can get away with it being over big, how much television time they can waste by just doing literally nothing. Look at at the main event of the Postmania Raw, for example, is the key um, example of Hamlet's theory. Conversely, I thought this was genuinely functional and um, did a really good job. One more thing, I really enjoyed as well how they referenced that if we can unify these titles, we'll be even better than the Wild Samoans because they're the bloodline. Of course they are going to think that the Wild Samoans prior to the Usos, were the best tag team in um, all the pro wrestling history. So there's just some really well thought out stuff in terms of the world building around the bloodline and indeed um, the show itself. This is one of the better opening segments you'll ever see on WWE television.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the main event informed this whole show, Um, like you say. Yeah, it set up the main event well and with an exciting potential with all the things you just mentioned there. And I will say this, you know, I get why they did it, because they're just filling time, because they never book enough, really, for, for a Friday night smackdown. But I will say, like, the video packages throughout this show, not necessarily introducing us to the Usos and RK, bro, but sort of putting out why these two teams have been so dominant and why they're clashing. I thought it really hyped it up. I thought it, it's amazing what happens when you've booked a main in adva- main event in advance and you give it focus throughout the show.
3: Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely. I thought they'd, honestly, just before we move on, so I don't really have much to say about the rest of this program, if I'm being <laughs> brutally honest. Um, I thought maybe they missed a trick by having Roman Reigns appear on the show. Spoiler, and you're going to get a spoiler later, so it doesn't really matter. He uh, interfered in the main event. Mm-hmm. I think they could have, my initial thought was, when I saw the main event play out as it did, they've kind of missed a trick here. If they had Roman not appear on the show, mm-hmm. even though he was in the building, Everyone, to a man, would have thought, all right, Roman, he's not on this show because his schedule's um, extremely limited going forward. Um, he's only going to make selective, uh, selected appearance, rather, as a Lesnar-esque part-timer. Because the fans know the backstage goings on, if Roman Reigns hadn't appeared on this show, no one would have thought, oh, he's going to come out during the main event. Mm, People yeah. would have just thought, all right, he's missing this week because he's going to miss several more going forward. That would have been a massive... Um, like Swerve, and a good one at that. However, they've written the dialogue in this opening segment in such a way that they retained the element of surprise while at the same time getting Roman on TV, which always draws a quarter hour. So, had the cake and ate it too, did the Fed. Uh, And backstage, uh, wearing a Bloodline
2: t-shirt, is Sami Zayn, what a guy, Um, just before his match with Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, And as we mentioned earlier, these two, Work quite well together in a ring. Got a bit of history, these two. Uh, early on, Nakamura takes control in the match, and Zayn pulls him down by his hair to take control. Um, goes up top, Nakamura cuts him off, but then Zayn blocks the superple- superplex. Um, Nakamura knocks Zane down, but then Zayn gets the way out of the Kinshasa and throws Nakamura out of the ring to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, Zayn's got Nakamura in a chin lock, because of course he has. Uh, <laughs> Nakamura... Um, Fires up though, hits a sliding German suplex in the ropes. Hits a knee to the back of Sami Zayn's head for a nice near fall coming off the middle rope. Um, Sets up for the Kinshasa, but Zayn rolls out of the ring after Nakamura goes after him. He hits him with a Mishinoku driver on the outside and dives back in to yet again attempt to defeat Shinsuke Nakamura via count out. Nakamura just makes it in before the count of 10. There's a rusty chant all along with all this. They fight around ringside. Nakamura throws Zayn over the barricade. He tries to win by a count-out. Sami Zayn dives in at last second to break up the count and then gets up to his feet to immediately eat a Kinshasa. One, two, three. Shinsuke Nakamura is victorious. But I really like the story they told here.
3: It was a nice story, and it was the best story that these guys can do in 2022. Basically, if you reduce everything down, uh, the babyface... Defeated the conniving heel at his own game. That's good professional wrestling storytelling. And this is sports entertainment, but this is good pro wrestling storytelling. You're not going to get... it's annoys me, and it's going to annoy me in the coming weeks. Shinsuke Nakamura could be... Uh great champion or something like that it's like no the guy's cooked the guy's cooked this match is and you ev- had your opportunity to
2: set him up for the title match immediately after wrestlemania
3: yeah absolutely like the guy's cooked they don't really see him in that role they always get cold feet when he's at the precipice of really becoming someone and quite frankly i've watched his very best new japan work and a lot of it so i can never really think that it's going to be anything better mm-hmm. than it is now however can't rampage across the ring can't brutalize the back of people's skulls anymore. It used to be the most sickening but like adrenalizing experience in all of wrestling for like 2015, 2016. That's how great uh, 2014, 2015. That's how great Shinsuke uh, was um, in his prime. But there was a New Japan Pro Wrestling influence with the Countdown Tees Mm. and being Shinsuke Nakamura, being sort of conditioned to be able to do that spot because everyone in New Japan knows how to time it perfectly. There was lots of drama here and they weren't really hitting each other or doing anything because they were just using the resources that pro wrestling has inherently to create drama, even when you're not doing anything physically. Like, that's how WWE at its best has always operated. Mm -hmm. Look at goddamn Hulk Hogan. Um, I'm not saying this is anywhere near that, but I'm just saying philosophically, this is the best match they could have had on television, and I did enjoy it, and I did get a lot of drama out of that count-out-influenced uh, non-finish. And
2: Sami Zayn's been really good recently in, in sort of short-running storylines based only on television, which is, it sounds incredibly obvious to just, why not just yeah. do a four-week story arc or whatever, but he did it with Drew and yeah, granted, it involved a lot of like, oh, screw finish, screw finish, screw finish, all right, we're finally going to give you the finish in the steel cage match or whatever. But again, he did a count-out victory a while back from sh- against Shinsuke. That told the story of this match. And then he got defeated. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. It's really simple, but I credit where credit is due sometimes. We've got to take the little wins where we can with WWE. Uh, this was aired where they had the uh, Usos video package. And then we got another episode of Happy Talk featuring Happy Corbin. Uh, he's there feeling very pleased with himself. Quite angry. a Bit of a grumpy mood he was in. Um, but he's very happy with what he managed to achieve. Taking out Mad Cat Moss. He's got the Andre the Giant trophy. Uh, they showed clips of it. Um and then he uh, gets in the ring and says, that's a, a work of art. It's so good, in fact. Let's watch it uh, a second time, and they show it again, and they show all the different al- al- angles of him destroying Mad Cat Moss's throat, Um and Corbin once again talks about how Mad Cat Moss sort of stabbed him in the back. He was... He had it all. He gave it He gave it all to Madcap Cat Moss. He was flying in first class, and then all of a sudden, Mad Cat Moss decided he didn't need him anymore, and he wanted to get out from his shadow. He called him the Big Bald Wolf. How dare he? Well, maybe I am the Big Bald Wolf, because I huffed, and I puffed, and I put Mad Cat Moss down. Oh, my God. And then he smashed up the Andre the Giant trophy. <gasps> Scandalous.
3: Yeah, this didn't do anything for me whatsoever. Uh, um, I think, realistically, that... Mad Cat again, do circular booking, sort of get circular takes. Maybe if he gets the suspenders off, and as opposed as a serious guy, he might be something, but he isn't yet, so no one's got any anticipation ahead of this. That line about, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow, it's the worst kind of WWE creative writing, where they think that they've nailed something incredibly clever, because it's a play on words. I didn't find this clever or at all. It just made me think that Baron Corbin was the villain in a children's story. Yeah. Remember when Finn Balor was the cat? Yes. Like wasn't there one where Vince told a story like
2: a, a famous nursery rhyme and got it like Jack and the Beanstalk or something?
3: Yeah, but he thought it was uh, Super Mario yes, it was about the, mushrooms. Yeah. And he couldn't yes. tell whether it was a joke or whether he just got it lost or. Vince, you're all right, mate. So not only did I hate that line, it was the most... Who's the president
2: right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should know. Your wife's pretty (laughs) close. Yeah, Yeah.
3: okay. It's the worst... Wife at the time, sorry. Yeah, 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 sorry. Come on, (laughs) get it right. It's the worst wordplay-inspired stuff. And I'll tell you what as well. um, There is a huge indication, a huge tell, that fans do not care about this storyline or anybody involved in it. Because if you notice, when he actually cut the promo... Corbin tried to do that thing that The Rock and Cena do, where they say something, try and implant it in the mind of the audience, and the idea is it's like a cue for them to like echo it back at him. So it's one of their favourite tricks. Ah, so you like packing a pair of tater tarts. <laughs> tater tat, tater tat, tater tat. That didn't work, and this didn't work either. He even called me the big bald wolf. <sighs> big, bald bald wolf. Wolf. Big, big bald wolf, big bald wolf. No and, and that, and that. I think after 10 excruciating seconds, like four people went big bald wolf, yeah, big bald. And either no one cared or they're too thick to get it. They're gonna have to one get of the two. I, I'm honestly, it's like an existential crisis here. Are they too thick or do they not care? <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> Why not
2: both? Yeah, there's going to be a, a stage where they get to you. Remember, when you watch like clips of old like talk shows in, in, in the States, and there's a guy where they're holding the sandwich, applause or whatever. Yeah, like, it's just that, but just say, Say big bald wolf. Yeah.
3: <laughs> there was another <laughs> bit later on. Where is it? There it is. <laughs> the, wor- the worst thing is, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy because Vince will see that thing. Oh, you didn't get it. They need more fucking video packages. Yeah, they need. to they need
2: explained more. Not this. This isn't a good idea. We, we Recap everything. They are fucking just. These
3: people are fucking stupid. <laughs> they fucking video packages. Obviously,
2: <laughs> there's a bit later on as well. It was, must have been a night in that writers room. Yeah, nice work, Greg or whatever. Because there was one where Shotzi Blackheart called, Blackheart called uh, Raquel Rodriguez an absurd Amazon. What? I love
3: alliteration. I know, it but it's not a thing people say. None of these things are things that people say. Yeah.
2: They will never have a bloody learn, will they? But yeah, what did you make of him smashing up the trophy? Do, do they get individual trophies? Because I, I always assumed it's one trophy, it's the Premier League trophy, it's the Champions League trophy, and you get your name on it and you get to hold it and you get to put it in your trophy case and then they take it back the next year. But I'll swear Corbyn said, I'm gonna take this trophy and put it in my trophy cabinet with my trophy. So did he smash the trophy up or did he try to smash my cat Moss' trophy up?
3: Forget wrestling it's boring. <laughs> in terms of football, which is awesome because that final day just ruled oh, so much. Day. It was so dramatic. Like um my understanding is that you get there's one trophy that's like the all along trophy. In that they do engrave it, mm-hmm. because there, there is. You can see, like, Chelsea, Man United, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Leicester, City, whatever. But once that's passed around, every team that wins it gets a duplicate. Get a replica. A replica. And that, that goes in their trophy cabinet. But there is one, but also more. So I don't know what, what's going on here. But uh, my son almost got absolutely murked by being a glory supporter, basically. Bit of background. Go on. So I support Newcastle. Of course. My wife supports Sunderland. Ah. So it's even before we had kids, we were like. Good weekend in the Cedric household, though. Yeah, Newcastle finished 11, Sunderland won the playoff final. God bless them. And City <laughs> won. But like, so even before, it was like, well, should we should have had this conversation another time. And that, that conversation's kind of coming around. But you just support City, and it's, I don't mind. It's so much easier him to just have a different team to his parents because the thought of him supporting the other team would break one of the other parents yeah hearts. i get that so like james
2: plus my nephew is the exact same he has in the time i've known him supported tottenham juventus <laughs> liverpool man city and i think villa
3: <laughs> yeah we think at one point it'll it will fall on either side of the newcastle Sunland thing but for now i'm more than happy for him to support city and you know he's this is the first full Premier League season he's absolutely loved because he just fell, went football mad during the Euros. Oh, yeah. So, Premier League after this and all the rest of it. And, like, City, I think, they were the favourites and I was, like, schooling them up and I was saying, these are the teams, this is the style of play, these are the players. He's, like, he's going through, like, last season's table and he's like, Dad, I think I'm going to go with Man City. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> weird because he get to win doing that. So he sports City and he's City mad. He, like, he loves Jack Grealish and all the rest of it. And uh was so, like, all right James, I think you might have a good season, you yeah. know? And then, like, towards the end, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you have a crying kid on, like, the last day. <laughs> it's like, you can't, if you can't pick the glory supporter, right, then what are you going to do? Yeah. And then 2-0 down, I'm thinking, oh, for fuck's sake.
2: Might as well support <laughs> yeah.
3: us. Yeah. After all that. And then 3-2, like, he, he was, the the mood was low. The mood was very low. Not even, like, tantrum low. It was like, oh, my God, his heart's broken. Oh, God no. damn it. And then 3-2, perfect.
2: Yeah, I was, I went through a phase in my small town of Chesterfield, who I've always supported, of course, but like, ever at one point, everyone in my school was like, "Yeah, I mean, we all like want Chesterfield to win," but <laughs> they're playing like crap teams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're never going to be on telly. Basically, um, so Don't support Man U. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Every, 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 pretty much everyone in my entire school supported Man United. Uh, coincidentally, I supported them, um, and then they won the treble, so that was pretty good. Completed it. Completed, yeah, completed football basically at that point. And uh, the only time I ever went to Old Trafford was to watch Chesterfield play in the yes. FA Cup semi-final against Middlesbrough. But um, shout out to my mate Mike, who back then, so I think like '98, they ain't they ain't doing they ain't pulling up trees. He was a Man City fan. This like, Sean Goater quite a good player. Years and years of just eating crap, and then suddenly, oh, what if we had all of the money? Yeah. And now he gets accused of being a bloody glory supporter. And I'm like, no, no, I remember when he had to sit there and be like, I think this might be Paul Dickhoff's year, guys. Yeah. But, um, yes, I think it, I sense it's a thing that every child goes through. of Like you say, of like, do you want to support a team who, like, sometimes win, sometimes lose, or a team that play incredible football and win almost every game? Yes. I think I'll go with the latter, <laughs> yeah, Papa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, right, uh, let's return to SmackDown and yeah. talk about... Drew Gulak being squashed by Gunther. I quite enjoyed this weird storyline where Drew Gulak's like, you know what? Last week, you're right, Ricochet. When I next see that nasty Gunther, I'm gonna give him a piece of my mind, walks around the corner and gets his head taken <laughs> off with a chop. Um, so this was the match that followed it. Ludwig Kaiser with the Gunther introduction, of course. Um, I think you could tell where this was going when they did the introductions, went to went to the ad break, and they came back and the match had basically started. And they were like, Yeah, yeah, yeah don't yeah. worry. We can all tell where this is going. Uh, Gulag didn't even get an entrance. He just got wrecked. kicked to the face. Uh, Loaded hard chops. Power- I'm not sure even if Gulag got any offense in whatsoever. Powerbomb. One, two, three. Uh, and then post-match, Gunther puts Gulag in the Boston Crab. But Ricochet runs out to make the save. So there's a bit of me that was like, okay, yeah, straightforward squash. Okay, just doing what you want with Gunther. And then I was like, oh. You don't know we could get Ricochet versus Gunther, which is not going to be... The Ricochet versus Walter that many people have dreamed of. But it's an
3: exciting prospect. It's by the standards of WWE, it's an exciting prospect. Um, So great, great tweet. I can't remember the guy who did it um, on Twitter. I I aspire to this level of tweets because I always take far too much advantage of the increased word limit. The whole joy of Twitter used to be someone could pop you in six, seven, eight words. It's 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 an art to that kind of tweet and i just don't have it i'm just naturally inclined to waffle and all the rest of it but someone tweeted i miss walter's tits bro (laughs) 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 it just encapsulates everything and pops you at the same time so while i still miss walter's tits i've very much got used to guns this is how it happens normalize guys Mm -hmm. and they make special talents feel normal and then they normalize you feeling normal about them where it doesn't really scan as this big disgrace or this big sort of decline in quality, and then you just get used to the new. And I'm used to the new, and I'm not not into it.
2: I'm just very excited. You know, Ricochet makes the save here. And I'm all like, that's nice. And I'm already picturing him doing some mad springboard and just getting chopped so hard out of midair. Like, just stop him in his tracks sort of thing. I don't know what they're going to do, and I su- suspect this is going to go from, I'm really excited to see this match, to me turning around in six weeks going, so they're doing Gunther versus Ricochet yeah, 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 again. Yeah. Do you think this one will get a finish? But for the time being, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm high on the prospects. <laughs> Hold
1: up, what was that?
0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now we all carry around different stresses. They can be. Uh, then we got a debut on SmackDown. A former NXT star over there. He was known as La Knight. yeah, and now he's known as Max Dupree. Dupree. <laughs> oui, <yeah.
3: laughs>
2: Renee's brother, Ra- Max Dupree. Yeah, I don't know. I need a new version of the yeah. Like Dupree's like French, so we oui, 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 Max Dupree.
3: That's a new thing. Yep. Put that on the list. <laughs> Put that on the list. and never, not say it ever again.
2: <laughs> so he goes to see Postman Pierce. Uh, he is the CEO of the hottest new agency, Maximum Male Models. Yes, please. Already love this. I've heard reports about it. He's not mace.
3: He's face. That's not bad at all, is it? Like, <laughs> no, that really is not bad by at all. Uh,
2: and he, he says he's looking for superstars that can headline Fashion Week in Paris and WrestleMania. <laughs> I'm loving this. I don't
3: hate it at all. This is like, it's got Bruce Pritchard all over yes. it. But sometimes, a broken clock is right twice a day. He's yeah. got enough gear again, no showbiz for me.
2: And <laughs> uh, Boseman Pierce is like, sorry, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, I got, I got signed. Um, you signed me for SmackDown. He's like, I didn't sign you for SmackDown. And he's like, no, 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 Sonya Deville did. And he's like, oh, well, Sonya Deville's been stripped of all the powers. And he's like, cool, well, we've got to sign so I don't know. That's kind of your problem. Uh and then uh postman Pierce kept saying, So what's your name? Max Dupree. He's like, No, Max Dupree. We
3: Right, this is where it falls apart. Even when you're presenting a goober character, whether a, whether they are a chicken sh- heel or a deluded heel who thinks themselves better than they are, it's one thing for the for the heel character have ideas above the station, think they're better than they are, and then when the baby face reminds them, no, you're not, I'm going to kick your ass, that's fine, that's good, that's funny, the promotion should be behind them at least, there should be the suggestion that, alright, okay, they've got something about them, they might take a shortcut to win, but the are win, just something that grounds it in, we still want this person on our roster, even if they're a bit of a loser, because they've got something, an attribute, why would the promotion go, oh, you're not, you're not worth signing? But I guess on a loophole, we'll have to keep you around. Like, what's the audience meant to think of that? <laughs> like, oh, there's Stickhead who's too rubbish to even be on the show. I'm going to watch him next week. Mm. It's WWE's bad. Yeah, it's like him being a competition winner. That actually
2: might be better. But yeah, still. I know, I know. And also, I was saying this to Andy this morning. At least you've got an attribute. Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's one of those where, okay, they don't want him to be called LA Knight for whatever reason on the main roster. Maybe because they think, that's what it'll be. I've figured it out. They're going to get worried that people are going to get confused and think WrestleMania 39 is taking place at LA Knight's house. Because you can't, yes. have, you can't have people called LA and the place LA. What? I know,
3: I know. Oh, my God. So, yeah,
2: they change his name. And I go, it's really simple with Eli Drake, with LA Knight. You pick a name with three syllables. Credit to him. They got that bit right, at least.
3: A bit? A bit. But... Oh, no, I was thinking of Rene Dupree again. Max Dupree. Yeah. Yes, they got it right. They've so you it.
2: go, okay, here's your new name. Boom. And he goes, okay, so it's Max Dupree. Yeah. And Vince is like, there's something missing. What if
3: you go up at the
2: end for no apparent reason?
3: Yeah, yeah. What? It's just so funny. And again, I'm not the first person to make this point, but it just gets brought into focus every now and then. How You can watch AW television and, for example you will get Yuki Sakazaki appearing on Rampage. He is Yuki Sakazaki um, from Tokyo Joshi Pro, mostly. And you're like, all right, okay, cool. That's real. That's a real thing. That happens, and, you know, it's just how these things work. Um, he is, you know, someone, and he did great stuff in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he's going to fly into AEW. It's like, all right, that's good, um, because I know this, because, you know, I'm not an idiot. In WWE canon, WWE isn't WWE. <laughs> like, it's one thing for them to say, all right, we don't want to indirectly put over. I mean, it was really good in pro wrestling, Gorilla. Because some people might, in theory, <laughs> go and watch this. And go, this is really exciting. Um, I'm going to watch this as well. Like, encourage these people to to do to make NXT's numbers better, surely.
2: Yes. And no other promotion exists except when no. they need to. Yeah, except when they need to, you know, when they were just like, Yeah, Shinsuke was in New Japan anyway, enough of that. Um, or the same with AJ Styles or whatever. Or, like you say, Cody's been away
3: and he's been doing the Go Big show, and that's all he's been doing. He's pretty good and he's a star somehow, but he's also rusty. How, how does that work? How on <laughs> earth does that work? He's gone from stardust to ring rust to biggest face on Raw. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on, guys? Like, what is going on there? What is going on? Did I make it make sense for me. It never will. Like, if you don't know, and you're thinking, what? He was stardust, and then he's been doing nothing for six years, but now he's a star. Is that not a cell phone? Hmm. Oh, we had to bring Buddy stardust back because we've got so few stars. And now our stock's
2: falling so low that we'll tech him as a big star.
3: Yeah. Yeah, arguably. Is it not just better optics-wise than to say, yep, yeah, you know what, he went and became a star. Because he did the same thing with Drew, and that itself was a cell phone, because they say, I oh, you know, he really got good. They loved the, saying that, didn't the they? The second he got out of the WWE system, guys, he got really good, and then he just learned how to do it, basically, after spending time in FCW, and he actually learned how to do it, and now he's a star. That's a cell phone, but at the same time, so is... Saying and I stardust ring Ross, but now he's back. That's also a cell phone yeah. as well. It's like you obviously they're not relying on stardust, Goldie's Rhodes became a superstar. You know what I'm saying? You know what they should do to stop these cell phones all over the place? Go on. Just consistently build stars and yeah. the best of their ability and encourage them to be the best versions of themselves.
2: It's a wild idea. And we'll then you wouldn't have to do, do any of it. this. <laughs> uh, we're backstage, hey, Kayla! uh, is chatting to uh, RK Bro. Um, and Riddle reminds everyone that he's beaten both of the Usos in singles action good stuff and Orton promised to defeat the Usos unify the titles 420 says I just smoked your ass basically Uh, still ready So they recap uh, the brilliant angle from the previous week with Raquel Rodriguez and Ronda Rousey. Um, And after we see a video package of that, Shotzi's there and she keeps moaning again about the fact she was going to accept Rousey's challenge. But Rodriguez pushed past her and Elias reminds us that she got locked in a locker room. They argue a bit. Anyway, in comes Rodriguez to get in Shotzi's face. uh, And this is where Shotzi called her an absurd Amazon and six feet of disappointment. High fives all around for that crap line in the creatives meeting, no doubt. And then she said, I'm gonna beat you next. Yeah. And Raquel was like, see you out there, uh, sort of thing. <laughs> uh and she, surprise, surprise, she didn't beat him. Uh, we did see Zaya Lee lost the and Aliyah, you know, those good mates, all hanging out backstage <laughs> watching this. Um just a bit of a showcase again for for Raquel R- Rodriguez. She uh backed Shotzi into the corner. Also, with Shotzi being like, Oh, I should have been able to answer that open challenge, I'd have I'd have beaten Ronda. Didn't run beat her in the beat the clock challenge? Like, in like three minutes?
3: Uh, I think so,
2: yeah. And then Aaliyah was obviously the one who's fed to Charlotte, but survived. So why Shotsy? Shotzi like,
3: yeah, if
2: only I had my shot against the world champion that I had two weeks ago. But anyway, I'm getting confused. It's
3: because you're an idiot. It's because yeah. you're an idiot who will never remember this. Granted.
2: Uh, so, yes, uh, Shotzi does fire back. Um, Locks on a sleeper, but Rodriguez gets out of it and as Shotzi attempts a hurricane hurricanrana. Rodriguez catches her, uh, hits her with a fallaway slam, corkscrew splash, uh, and that one-armed chinkona bomb, I think it's called. Big slam from Raquel Rodriguez, gets her the win. Um, a good way to arguably re-establish her after that getting over in defeat last week.
3: Yeah, they have not really, it's not, it's not a perfect push. But no. WWE is an imperfect company, so within the parameters of that imperfect company, this is kind of as good as you're going to get as an introduction. Um thought there was, I thought they worked quite well together at various points. This take is really going to mirror my take about Red Velvet versus Chris Statlander. And um, so, apologies for repeating myself. I just thought structurally the matches are quite similar, so I can't not do that. But there were certain points where Shotzi and her body control to like sort of just reverse certain power moves, and to just make it feel like she was about and launch something on offense before she was picked up at the last minute. It was genuinely some really good, solid, mm. tight work in this match for as little as it went.
2: Yeah, exactly. And if you want to hear more of that, we've got the AEW Rampage review coming your way later on today. Xavier Woods uh, was in the back chatting to Kayla. Um, They recapped Butch getting a victory over Kofi Kingston and then stropping off into the audience and then coming back. Uh, And Woods said, yeah, it's a big win for him, but can you beat me without your boys Sheamus and Ridge Holland at ringside? Um, Kingston's not there, so let's just do it one-on-one. And then we got the match and there was no... uh, uh, Holland and Sheamus. They fired, fired him up before he got sent out. I think they're called the Brawling Brutes now. I thought it was going to be the bloody... I know. The, what was it? Bloody Brute? Bloody, I don't know. They keep changing their minds.
3: Floyd Noit, all that bollocks. Funny they could change their mind about this feud, which has been going on for three months.
2: Yeah. Normally you'd think that you'd finish it at WrestleMania, or at the very least, WrestleMania Backlash. Nope. Still must continue. Um, and it goes on to next week because Xavier Woods got the victory here. Um, Butch did look good in, in parts in terms of he d- hit all of his really nasty-looking stamps and contortions of, of people's arms and legs and what have you. Um, just fights back after Woods gets control early on, hitting a drop kick through the ropes. He just fights back with elbows. Uh, there was a bit where Woods hit him for a DDT off the middle rope or, or went for it, and Butch just went, I just forearm forearm you as hard as I can in the face. And I was like, that's good, good response to that, to be, to be fair. Um, but in the midst of all this, um, Butch thinks he's got the match one off the back of that and gets caught yet again with the Backwoods. It's his kryptonite. Uh, and Butch, furious again, storms off into the crowd. And Xavier Woods celebrates and walks up the ramp, only to be confronted by Sheamus and Ridge Bloody Holland. And he gets attacked from behind by Butch. And following that and a, an arcade okay Bro video package, uh, Xavier Woods announced that na- next week, Kofi Kingston's back and they're going to have a partner to even the odds.
3: That's somewhat interesting.
2: That's a game for next week, at least. Uh,
3: yes, absolutely. Oh, God, thank God. We've Got a game on Friday. This company is just, oh, my God, I kind of hate it. <laughs> I've been high on some of this, yeah. shockingly enough, but I just hate it when I see stuff like this. Because if you take certain components from this company and just get them right, it wouldn't be as deadening to my interest as it is almost all of the time. There were moments in this match where I'm thinking, I don't care about this. I've seen variations of it uh, every week for the last however many months. There's no conclusion. There's no actual storyline. It's just a infinite loop of nothing. Yes. Where one team wins one week. And you think, oh, they might go forward and do something else interesting and different, but then the result gets reversed the next week. It's like, right, well, all the same week, all the same week, Or, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. five minutes is, after that match. Sometimes this has happened consecutively in terms of the night of, not just weekly, weekly, week to week. I just, I don't care about this combination of wrestlers or any co- of this combination of wrestlers, and it's just actively doing my head in at this point that I have to see. It's not doing my head in actually. I'm just, I'm just numb watching yeah. the same characters in the same context at the same juncture of the show doing the same thing except the um results reversed and then you see certain sequences in the sequences in this match where i would describe genuinely some of the counter wrestling here is gorgeous love Saviour woods in ring yeah i think he's vastly underrated and butch pete is awesome but counters in wrestling when it looks so much like the move that's going to be hit is going to be hit before it's counted. I just love it. Mm. The physical timing, the um, the creativity, like the one where he took the step back and did the forearm, I genuinely thought he's going to get hit with a DDT mm-hmm. if he's not careful. And then he was careful, and then with just immaculate physical timing, he did the counter. There is nothing better than anti-flying nothing wrestling. <laughs> yes. And there was some of that on display here, albeit worked by characters in a program that... Doesn't really have a story, and it's been going on forever.
2: Yeah, don't make me look at Seamus, Butch, or Pete or whatever you want to call him, Ridge Blue Holland, and in particular, The New Day, and go, oh, God, here they are again. I know. What? Anyway, Sidgwick, uh, we got to switch gears now, because uh, on Monday, Sasha Banks and Naomi, they let us all down. Oh, my God. This is the bit I was talking about earlier. Um, they talked through what happened on Raw with Banks and Naomi, handing over their tag titles and leaving the arena. And as I said, in the words of Michael Cole, as a mouthpiece for Vince, let us all down. Um, they were supposed to participate in the six-pack challenge, but no, they disappointed the fans, etc., etc. Um, Well, they've been suspended indefinitely, and now they're going to have a tournament to crown new champions in the future. I can't think of more than about two teams that could be actually involved in this tournament. That's by the by. This was... Just a blatant character assassination, wasn't it?
3: Yes, absolutely. We've discussed to death the entire story, so I will try to focus my thoughts on just this particular development. It got memed to within an inch of its life, so there's nothing fresh for me to say other than Pat McAfee looked visibly uncomfortable. It was At
2: least he didn't do the pen thing.
3: Hey, someone's been
2: suspended!
3: Yeah. He looked visibly uncomfortable. He looked like he did not want to participate in this sort of rotten game that WWE liked to play in situations like this. And uh, maybe you could infer from Michael Cole's voice that he didn't go two-footed in the way that he might have in the past. Um, This was just what they do.
2: Mm. Um, But then we got, to make you forget all about that, a brilliant main event uh, unifying the tag team titles. As I said, uh, it's the Usos, the SmackDown tag team champions, versus RK Bro, the Raw tag team champions, to unify the titles. Uh, and we even got Paul Heyman on commentary, um, doing his best to put over not just his boys from the Bloodline, but also there was a bit where RK Bro were on offense, and McAfee was like, "Gotta be quiet over there, haven't you, Paul?" Which I thought was was just a nice little touch. Um, Okay, bro, early on, get the advantage. Um, but there was this point where my heart dropped. And I don't think it was like them cheapening the gesture. I think it was a little bit of a panic, but then it turns out that it either wasn't as bad as it th- they thought it was or Riddle just sort of fought through it. But that moment when they threw up the X and I was like, oh, no, not for this. It looked, they re- replayed it. And it's one of those ones where I've no doubt that any bump into the turnbuckle looks you know, would feel a lot worse than just because we have got normalised and and got so used to it. I'm sure if you and I took it, we'd be, like, down for about a week. But, yeah, it looked like the small of Riddle's back hit the turnbuckle first, and that dropped him down. And, yeah, we get the referee throwing up the X and pushing the Usos away. uh, And I think that's when they went to a break. And I don't know whether it was just uh, just a bit of uh, happenstance or whatever. I don't think it was... That's no, it's an angle. I don't, I don't think it was too, like, cheapening of the thing, because you looked at it, it wasn't like, oh, my God, I think he might be dead or yeah. whatever. they go to break anyway. basically subtle by WWE standards exactly they go to break they come back um, and understandably the Usos have isolated Riddle um, because he's got a bruised hip according to commentary and, and Jimmy attacks that hits a back suplex Riddle fights back though fights through the pain hits Jay with a jumping knee and manages to get the tag to Orton which is always a hot tag now he runs wild draping DDT on Jimmy hits him with the RKO it looks like they've got the match won one, two Jay Uso dives in to break up the pinfall, Riddle comes back in. He hits a series of forearms, goes to the Broton, but Jay gets his knees up and hits that. Bro- I love this his pop up neckbreaker. That's one of my favorite things yeah. that they do at the moment. Um, Riddle and Jay are fighting on the top rope. Riddle looks like he's setting up for the super RKO, which is rapidly becoming like so good that they could, they're gonna have to be like, oh yeah, the RKO is just a transition move yeah. now. Sets up the Super RKO. Heyman rushes off commentary, jumps up on the apron. That distracts the referee. And suddenly, Roman Reigns is there at ringside. He grabs onto Jay. Riddle, I think, either attempts the Super RKO or gets shoved off. Regardless, he crashes and burns What's Jay remains on the top. Jay comes off the top, splashes Riddle. One, two, three. The Usos are your unified Tag team champions. The bloodline hold like six belts technically now. Um, And post-match, RK-Bro get brutalized at ringside. Reigns has got a guillotine uh, on Alton, I think, and the Usos are beating him down. And then uh, Riddle gets put on the announce table and Jay hits this huge sort of Shane McMahon-esque splash off the top rope uh, to the outside through the announce table. And, and credit to Kevin Dunn for once. There was a lot of bollocks with the change in the camera angles, but he did catch a small child
3: crying on camera. Yes, absolutely. Um, look, this is a phrase that I never expected to use um, for a WWE TV show. In fact, over the past two years, I think I've only ever used it on specifically night one of WrestleMania. And this following description is different to, that was a really good match. Oh, that was quite a funny backstage promo by WWE standards. This was a tremendous bit of business. Yeah. A tremendous bit of business in that it hooked my interest for the paper. It was genuinely, emotionally well done. The length of the match was measured perfectly. I think it went 11 minutes. Something like that, yeah. To the point where it felt competitive. It didn't feel like the action was not there to do anything except act as pretext for the angle. Nor did it feel like, right, give them 20 minutes, waste time. Doesn't need to go 20, but... Easier than writing a show. <laughs> yes. Thing. Um, so the, the length of the match was measured perfectly. There was a subtlety to the injury angle. The post-match looked brutal. The fans were really kind of genuinely visibly upset, which is such a stark difference to how the WWE fan, the average WWE fan, typically reacts to a WWE television show, and that is by sitting on their hands board senseless to the point where they feel compelled to pipe in fake crowd noise to make it feel <laughs> yes. like it's alive. And it's a product that people are interested in. I was genuinely shocked by how well they measured this. The action was really strong, but not too strong. Mm-hmm. You don't want to give away strong action because that's destination stuff. Most of the time in WWE. And uh, yeah, just the the look on the people's faces said it all between the booking, the subtlety, the agency and and more importantly, inexplicably, the production, this was a tremendous bit of business.
2: Yeah, I loved it. Um, I loved the finish. Like you say, I loved the action, the the, the angle and everything like that. And the post-match, yeah. Because I was like, okay, you know, if you'd have said to me, by the way, the Usos are winning the titles, I'd have said, cool, so we're going to go off air with the Bloodline holding up six titles? Yeah. But didn't expect all this. Yeah. Like you say, we're going to hell in a cell, one would assume. In, and we're going to the Hell in a Cell premium live event, but also one would assume the Hell in a Cell match because as much as there's still bollocks and shenanigans in those sorts of matches, what's the one thing that can stop bloody Paul Heyman and, you know, the Usos protector from getting involved? You put a giant cell around things. And not only is that there to, to prevent that, but RK Bro are going to be like, do you know what Randy Orton does, do to, does, does to people inside Hell in a Cell He's going to do that to you because look at what you did to him and his mate. I think it's just really good storytelling, and we sort of called it. We said if we are going to get a finish, there's only going to be one champions, but it is going to lead to the premium live event. And often, like you say, they sort of cheat their way into it and be like, ah, you're going to have to pay to see it or whatever.
3: But I thought this was the wrestling, though. Yeah, I thought this was the best of both worlds. WWE chronically, chronically takes the pace with. (laughs) The extent to which non-finishes happen and you're meant to build these things through like not particularly clean finishes. Like, let's we forget, MJF versus CM Punk, which is uni- uh, universally praised, and I personally thought was a masterpiece of a program. There was some not particularly clean finishes in the first Chicago match, but that's just how wrestling does it. WWE's problem is that they do it almost every match and every yes. show and it's so oppressive and it's so pointless. Because they do it too much doesn't mean that they should get they should get Default criticized for doing it when they do it right. And Mm -hmm. this is the real right way to do it. Absolutely. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts on
2: SmackDown on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. And make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and Sidg' will be back a little bit later on today to review AEW Rampage and look ahead to Monday and Raw. But for now, this has been the SmackDown review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we...